Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Psalm 131 as we continue working through this series that Pastor Cody has led over the last five weeks, shaped by the Psalms this morning. I want to talk about what it means to be shaped by rest. Church family, it is so good to be home. We are so grateful for the time that you have given us away. We are so grateful for this opportunity. We are so ready to jump back in and to get going here at North River Church. We have visited churches in the community, and it's been good to be able to sit together as a family and worship, but there is no place like home, and we are glad to be back. As we prepare to dive into God's Word this morning, Psalm 131, I want to make this statement, and I think you will be able to grab a hold of it. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope is a powerful thing. Janie and I met in college, and I knew from the time that I saw her, we were going to get married. Absolutely knew it without a shadow of a doubt. Unfortunately, I told her that before we had even gone on a date. Little weird. But I just knew, I knew that. And so the first time that I tried to ask her on a date didn't go so well. In fact, I said something to her like, hey, when are you going to take me out on a date? To which she promptly responded, never, and left. We got to know each other a little bit, and finally she said, listen, we can, we can go out on a date, and uh, we had scheduled it. It was a Friday night. We're going to go grab dinner, and, uh, and she called me and said, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not feeling well. Now, in that moment, church, I just want to be honest with you. I didn't believe her. I thought, she's just blowing me off. So finally, it works around to the point where she says, listen, we we can go on a date. Here's why I knew something was a little bit amiss. She said, I will meet you at Subway for lunch. I just want you to know, within me, there was this glimmer of hope. I thought, here it is. This is our moment. I didn't realize that her driving there meant she could leave at any moment. And that was her plan, right? Just in case. But there was this glimmer of hope. Now, I just want it to be known that we've been married now coming up on 19 years. So I was right, right? (laughs) I was, I was. You know, it's interesting, though, when we think about hope, and and the last verse of Psalm 131 is going to key in on this as David declares to Israel, hope in the Lord now and forevermore. But before we can get to that, we're going to have to look at verse 1. We're going to have to look at verse 2. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite theologians, said this about Psalm 131. You'll see the quote up on the screen. It is one of the shortest psalms to read, 
but one of the longest to learn. One of the shortest to read. One of the longest to learn. Psalm 131, beginning in verse 1. This is God's word. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things that are too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. You'll see it in the bulletin. And if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to reflect on this as we are walking through the text this morning. But it's this truth We will never experience true and lasting hope in our lives until we find rest in the Lord. We will never experience true and lasting hope in our lives until we find rest in the Lord. Now, I want you to know this morning that that is true about salvation. In fact, Augustine said that we were created by God and our souls are meant to find rest in Him. And until they do, we will not find true and lasting rest in our lives. And you may have come in this morning and for you, you have never taken that step of trusting in Jesus Christ, experiencing salvation through what He accomplished for you on the cross And through his resurrection. And I want you to know this morning that you will find yourself eternally restless. Both now and forever until you find rest for your soul in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you may be here this morning and you are already a follower of Jesus. And I want to challenge you with this as well. The road of sanctification that we are called to walk day in and day out in our lives, I want you to hear me, is contingent on us finding rest in the Lord. It's not just that we find rest for our souls in the Lord for salvation and we're good just to move forward from there. In fact, for us, day in and day out, We as believers desperately need to find rest in the Lord. As we look at Psalm 131 this morning, I want you to know that for some context, it finds itself within the Psalms in a certain section. They're called the Psalms of Ascent. 
Some of your Bibles may call them the pilgrim songs or songs of degrees or maybe even the gradual psalms. It's Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. And it's these psalms that most of them penned by David that were utilized within the nation of Israel to prepare their hearts to enter in to worship the Lord. In fact, as you look and study and realize about these songs of ascent, what you realize is that they were, in effect, utilized by the nation of Israel to prepare their hearts to worship the one true God, to prepare their hearts to see God for truly who he is and themselves for who they really are and to recognize in light of who God is and who they are that he is deserving of their worship. I mentioned to you that Psalm 131 was written by David, David who would become king of Israel, but not at this point. In fact, he is waiting, looking forward to the fulfillment of the promise that God would place him in the kingship. In fact, what you realize is that much of David's early life from the time that he was anointed to be the king, he in fact is waiting for this to actually take place. And oftentimes in the midst of that, he is struggling. Saul, who is king in that moment, is at points trying to kill him. He is often on the run for his life. And this psalm, paints for us a portrait, a picture of what it looks like for David to hope in the Lord. So as we think about that, I want you to notice with me verse 1 and recognize that in the midst of this difficult season, in the midst of this challenge, in the midst of David not yet seeing the fulfillment of what God had promised, David in this moment I want you to notice what he says first. And I want to note verse 1 is really David saying, we must first cease. If we're going to experience rest for our souls, we're going to experience hope in the Lord, it must begin with us stopping. I don't know about you, Stopping is hard. I experienced this over the last five weeks. Can I just be honest with you? It was hard early on in the beginning. Because I woke up and I'm thinking, what do I do now? Not studying to preach, not preparing, not checking on people, not praying for our people in the sense that I do week in and week out, not in the office. I I just, it stopped. I want you to notice that hope begins at that point where we stop. Rest begins at that point where we stop. Notice what David says beginning in verse 1. Oh Lord, my heart is, what's that word? Not lifted up. My eyes are, what church? Not raised too high. I do 
what church? Not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. I don't know if any of you are passenger seat or back seat drivers or not. You can elbow your spouse right now if you need to. But it gets to a more intense level when you have a 15-year-old learning to drive. Where you're sitting and you're thinking, I'm probably going to die today. This is probably that moment. Because you're looking at the road and you're thinking, that, that, that's a stop sign. That's what's going in your head. And you're like, that. no, legitimately, that's a stop sign. You, honey, you may need to stop. Stop. Stop, right? But can I say to us this morning that that is exactly what David is saying in this moment in verse 1. He's saying, my heart is not lifted up. By heart there, he means the affections of his heart, the the pride that is often within us. David says here has, has ceased. This is an honest inventory for him of what's going on in his heart. And he says, my heart is not lifted up. And my eyes, he says, are not raised too high. As David is preparing his heart and as the people would have been singing this as they were heading into Jerusalem to worship, what they were communicating was they had ceased to allow the affections of their heart to drive them in any other direction outside of the Lord. They had stopped. I want you to notice that he follows that with, I do not occupy myself With things too great and too marvelous for me. Maybe you need to underline that today. Maybe you need to write that on a note card and plaster it to your mirror when you wake up every single day. You read, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. You know, it's interesting because one of the new technologies that's come out in newer vehicles is something called lane assist. Some of you have vehicles that have that, right? You press a button as you're heading down the interstate, and it will keep you in the lane that you're in. And it just keeps you staying right there in your lane. And just want you to know, for me personally, for us as followers of Jesus... We often struggle to stay in our lane. We often struggle to stay in our lane. Most of the time, we want to get in God's lane and say, let me drive for a bit, Lord. And yet David says here in this psalm, I have not allowed my mind to be occupied by those things that are too great and too marvelous for me. In fact, verse 1, simply written down, is 
humility on display. In the presence of God, ceasing from working, ceasing from trying to earn, ceasing from trying to take control, ceasing from trying to earn the favor of God or do something for God. It's simply just stopping. Let me ask you this question. Would you describe yourself like this right now? Could verse 1 be descriptive of you? Or in your mind, is it, I have to do more. I have to achieve more. I have to work more. I have to hustle more. I have to burn the candle at both ends. I just have to keep going. And you can't experience the rest in the Lord and the hope that comes from that because you just won't stop. may be here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and in your mind you have this idea that you have to work to earn the favor of God that's what salvation's all about that if you just work harder if you just show up to church more if you just do more then you can earn the favor of God and I just want to say to you this morning stop you cannot earn the favor of God as a result of you working to try to get it. It is a free gift of grace that God offers to you through His Son Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection. It's not something that you can earn. But follower of Jesus, can I remind you? It's the same thing is true for you. Do not live your life in an effort to try to earn the favor of God or in an effort to try and make God happy with you. He is already happy with you because of what Christ has done for you. Stop. Stop. You say, how do I do that? Like, how do I legitimately do that? Because my alarm goes off tomorrow morning. Everybody in this place except Pastor Scott, right? <laughs> Heading off on a sabbatical. It's glorious, bro. I'm just telling you, it's amazing. I just want you to know, here's a couple of things. A couple of moments in our day and in our week that the Lord grants to us to stop. One is when you go to sleep at night. When you go to sleep. I want you to think about that. When you go to sleep, you're not doing anything but sleeping. I know that's super profound, right? I learned that on sabbatical. <laughs> when you go to sleep, what's amazing is as you sleep, listen, God still works. God still holds the universe together. In fact, as you sleep, you're not sleeping thinking, I need to breathe. In fact, it is the Lord who sustains you. And so when we talk about ceasing, that's one moment for us. You know what's fascinating, though? Studies show that we sleep less today than we did in years past. 
Because we're trying to achieve, we're trying to produce, we're trying to earn more, we're trying to accomplish more, we're trying to finish binge-watching that Netflix episode, right? We're trying to do it all. Can I just challenge you? Cease. Stop. Go to bed. And God will continue to work. Sundays provide us another opportunity to cease. The scripture talks about the Sabbath, an opportunity for us to pause within the midst of our week and experience the joy of the Lord as we stop. That's what this time is about. This time is about us being able to gather together as followers of Jesus and experience who he is and what he's done as we cease. And simply come into his presence and spend time with other believers in the presence of the Lord together. David doesn't stop at verse 1. In fact, I want you to notice verse 2. David says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. I want you to notice the description of David's soul there in verse 2, the first part. He says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. In fact, the imagery used there is that of a farmer who goes out into a field and plows up the field and tills it and then smooths it out so that he can plant in that field. And the imagery that David is using is that that is the state of his soul before the Lord. That it is ready for God to do within him whatever God desires to do. Growing up, Always loved to go to the lake. And one of the fun things about going to the lake was skiing, tubing. Uh, It was one of the most favorite times for me. But here's the thing that you realize. You realize who actually knows what they're doing on the lake versus those who don't. It's really easy to figure out because at least where I grew up, Lake Blackshear, there was the big body of water of the lake. And that's where all the boats were gathered. That's where people moved through. And you don't ski there. Or else you're just bouncing over the waves from the other boats, the wakes that they produce. But if you know what you're doing, you head up Lake Blackshear. Weave your way up through until you get to a point where the water is like glass. And that, that's where you ski. David says, his soul is like glass. That he has found rest in the Lord. Notice how he describes it. Like a weaned child 
with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David has ceased and David has found rest for his soul in the Lord. Let me ask you that question. How would you describe the state of your soul right now? Could you echo with David's words here? It is calmed, it is quieted, it is like glass that you would want to ski on top of. Or do you look and say, it is struggling? You think about the opposite of calmed and quieted and a weaned child. It is chaotic, it's panicked, it's discontented with the way things are. Can I just encourage you that your soul will be that way until it finds rest in the Lord? That is true when we talk about salvation. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've never taken that step. I want you to know that this morning. You will never find true and lasting rest apart from Jesus. But believer, can I encourage you as well? You and I need to find rest in the Lord. For our soul to be calmed and quieted. For it to be like a weaned child. About a year ago, took my oldest child. And, and I don't throw names out outside of my wife's name because I have to pay my daughters a dollar anytime I mention their name. So oldest, youngest, right? You're with me? So a year ago, took our oldest, her and daddy went on a date as she was preparing to head into high school. We started that tradition. Mom takes them heading into middle school. Dad takes them as they're going to head into high school. So took her up to Brandon. We went to iFly, wind tunnel that you are able to go into and feel like what it feels like to skydive, which... I have absolutely zero interest in doing that in real life. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good plane? <laughs> Makes no sense to me. But we experienced that. We, we've, she loved it. She was really good at it. In fact, the lady afterwards, she's like, hey, she, she's really good. You're not. Because <laughs> one of the things that you have to do is be really still and relaxed when you're inside the wind tunnel, I don't do still relaxed well at all. In any sudden movement, you start spinning, you start turning, and, and they're looking at you and they're like, stop. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> but then you watch someone who's done it for a while, and they look, I mean, literally look like they're just floating in the air. Look like they're just enjoying life, just there. Can I say to us as followers of Jesus, that should be us. As we walk through the Christian life that we are living in, we should be able to experience the rest that comes from the Lord as we calm and quiet our soul in His presence, as we experience the joy of ceasing, and resting in Him. How do we do that? 
A couple of practical things just to think through in your life as a follower of Jesus. Time in God's word gives us this. I just want to encourage you, if you can stop and spend time simply in God's word, in his presence, with him, you will experience rest for your soul. Not only that, but time in prayer before the Lord. One of the most fruitful times for me over the last five weeks was an opportunity simply to linger in God's word and to linger in prayer. And just rest in him. To just stop. And to just rest in the Lord. You say, Michael, that sounds amazing. I don't get five weeks. You can do it in five minutes of just pressing pause and resting in the Lord. Verse 3, David says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. Hope in the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. Isn't it fascinating in verse 1 and verse 2? It was I. David says, I have stopped. I have ceased. My heart's not lifted up. My eyes are not lifted up. I'm not occupying myself with things that I just can't understand. And I have calmed and I have quieted my soul before the Lord. It's like a weaned child. But then, he turns his attention to his people. And he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. Hope is a powerful thing. David experiencing what it's like to rest in the Lord's, his heart desire is that his nation, his people would experience that as well. That they would experience what it means to be able to put all of who they are into the hands of of the Lord and just rest in who God is. I want you to notice that he says, hope in the Lord now. Hope in the Lord now. What does your now look like? What are you wrestling through? What are you struggling with? What's going on in your life that would discourage you from ceasing, that would discourage you from resting in the Lord. Can I just encourage you, hope in the Lord now. Say, Michael, it doesn't look good. Hope in the Lord. 
Michael, you don't know what's going on in my life, in relationships, for my job. You don't know what's happening. And I just want to encourage you, having walked through the last five weeks, having experienced what David lays out here in verse 1 and 2, his heart for his people is my heart for you. Hope in the Lord. Now. But not just now forevermore. One of the great hopes for us as followers of Jesus is that we have a future that is secure in Christ. It does not matter how bad things may get. We can hope in the Lord now, and we can hope in the Lord forevermore. I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads with me this morning. As our worship team makes their way back up, and as we have an opportunity to spend some time before the Lord, I want you to allow those two questions that I asked earlier. To be before your mind right now. Would you describe yourself the way David does in verse 1? Where you have ceased. Where you've humbled yourself before the Lord. And then how would you describe the state of your soul this morning? Is it calmed? Is it quieted? Is it like a weaned child where you've experienced the rest that only God can provide? If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you that the first step for you is to recognize there is no hope apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the step we would love to help you take this morning, to trust in Him for your salvation. Our pastors will be down front in just a little bit. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you, and help you take that step. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you to allow those questions through the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and in your life this morning. Where do you need to cease? Where do you need to rest? Maybe this morning for you is an opportunity simply to come before the Lord and say, God, I I need to experience that today. I need to experience that rest that only you can provide. Father, we thank you for your word. Would you use it now to accomplish in our lives what you desire to accomplish, both in this moment and in the days and the weeks ahead? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand as we sing? Our altar's open. Our pastors are down front. If we can pray with you, encourage you, We'd love to do that this morning. You come as the Lord leads.